it just became this circular path and you know it, it ultimately it almost destroyed my life Hey podcast listener, you're about to discover insider tips, tricks and secrets to making more sales and converting more prospects into customers with email marketing. For more information about the email marketing podcast or the autoresponder guy, go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast. Hey, it's John McIntyre here, the autoresponder guy. It's time for episode 78 of the Method email marketing podcast where you'll discover one simple thing how to make money every time you send an email to your list. Now, today I'll be talking to Jesse Moskal. Jesse is a fascinating guy. He emailed me one day with a, a bit of an epic story. I just sent an email to my list. What was it called? Do you like green smoothies? And then I told a story about how I was drinking my green smoothie and I'm actually drinking it right now. It's got eggs and spinach and, and uh, some green powder and blueberries. It's great. Anyway, the email was about that and he replied because that was a cool story, but I think I've got a better one. And then he proceeded to tell me how he'd been on sort of a an interesting journey. He ended up in Korea and then ended up in Thailand and, and went through some incredible stuff. I don't know what to say, how much I can say without giving away the story. So you're going to have to just listen to the episode. Anyway, it's an amazing story and sort of sounds like this, this sort of thing you'd hear in a movie. Okay, crazy adventure in a way. And all in the, you know, he was also learning. It led him to, say, direct response marketing. And now he's a copywriter. He's having a blast being in, uh, sort of building an advertising agency. Okay, so your story blew me away and you're going to hear it in just a minute. To get show notes for this episode of the Email Marketing Podcast, go to themcmethod.com slash 78. Now, this week's McMaster's Insider of the Week is something that I'm very fond of, this idea, and that is Kaizen, which from what I understand, the idea of Kaizen comes from some Japanese companies. The idea is constant, never-ending improvement. What that means is every day you just show up and you improve something, and you do it the next day and the next day and the next day. And so what happens is, I mean, that's really how, you know, small changes, small changes, small changes add up into incredible changes over time. But if you just set out to try and make a massive change, well, you're really going to probably fall flat on your face and get demotivated and frustrated because no one makes a big change just like that, okay? You have to do it incrementally. Well, you don't necessarily have to do it incrementally, but that's typically how it works, okay? So, that's the idea, Kazen. The idea is when you show up to your business in the morning, when you show up to write an email, just get a little bit better. Just get a little bit better. It doesn't matter where you are today, only that you improve a little bit every single day, okay? Now, that we've been talking about this in McMaster's. This is sort of something I've been suggesting to people who are trying to get better at email and marketing and traffic or whatever the case may be. And uh, yeah, so anyway, that's McMaster's. To learn more about McMaster's, go to themcmethod.com slash McMaster's. It's, uh, it's a VIP training community that I have. There's a forum in there. There's training material. There's also fill-in-the-blank templates. So it means you can sign up and you can have an autoresponder up and running in an hour because you just fill in the blanks with some templates and upload them. And then while that's working for you, you can go and learn how to write emails and do this stuff yourself because that's really, that's where the big money is, okay? So that's McMaster's. That's at www.themcmethod.com slash McMaster's. Now, anyway, that's enough of that. Let's get into this interview so you can hear about this crazy, crazy story from Jesse Moskal. It's John McIntyre here, the autoresponder guy. I'm here with Jesse Moskal. Now, Jesse's a direct response copywriter, and uh, a couple of months, about a week ago, he replied to one of my emails, and uh, I was talking about green smoothies or something like that. And I've got, I've actually got my smoothie next to me right now because it's 9 a.m. here in Thailand. And, uh, you know, I told everyone about my green smoothie, and Jesse replies and he says, Well, look, that was a kind of a cool story, but I think I got, I, I, I don't know if you said you can top that, but you're like, I, I think I've got, let me, tell me if this tops mine, tops yours. 
And then he goes <laughs> on to tell me a crazy, crazy story about how he was in Thailand once and did uh, a lot of different stuff. It was very interesting. And then he sort of ended up being a, like I said, a copywriter now. So he's got an agency with his brother. They're doing uh, copywriting and AdWords and uh, all sorts of stuff there. And I uh, thought I wanted to get him on just because I think this is going to be number one, a huge hit of inspiration to anyone who's who just getting started or even just has gotten started but's finding things slow. And also, just I think it's going to be a hell of an entertaining story. I haven't heard the whole thing. I've just heard what was what you can fit in an email for 300 words. So it's going to be an interesting little episode. Jesse, how are you going? Great, John. Good to be here. Good to have you on the show, man. So before we go into this story, give the listener sort of a background on where you're at right, well, who you are and, and what you're doing right now, and then we'll kind of go back in time and uh, to the story you told me in the email. Sure, okay. I'm Jesse Moskal, and I'm a copywriter. My, with my brother, we do, uh, we do advertising and marketing for small and medium-sized businesses. Okay. I'm based in uh, South Carolina in the U.S., and uh, just enjoying life out here. Hmm. Cool, man. Well, let's yeah, let's get dive into this story then. You were in Thailand once. This was 20, 30, how many years ago does the story start? This actually starts back in 2006. Um, I was 30 years old. I was a uh, salesman working for a big telecom company here in the U.S., and I was just bored. And I looked at my passport. It didn't have any stamps, and that really frustrated me. I thought that, you know, by, by the time I hit 30, I should have been around the world at least a couple of times. So I looked online and ended up going to a place in Korea to teach English in 2006, 2007. Okay. So went out there, taught English, and huh, let me tell you, John, the <laughs> life will take you on some funny spins um what's it's not really relevant to our story here but i ended up getting some getting into some drugs uh i like to smoke marijuana back in the days and uh that's that whole party scene kind of this was in korea so the english teaching scene yep uh weren't selling weren't selling drugs to the kids but uh (laughs) fellow teachers and i we would you know we would get some marijuana for the weekends and smoke and have some beers and go in the city and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Pretty standard. I mean, I mean, all things said, that's you know, that's what a lot of young people do anyway. So it's not. I mean, that's. I think that's pretty typical behavior. I've been there. I think a lot of people have been there at certain stages in their lives. So okay, so you're in Korea. You're doing an English teaching thing, and uh, you're having a bit of fun with some marijuana with the English teachers. What happens? <laughs> so what what happens next? So what happens next? I guess the, uh, the the drug scene just kind of got a little heavier. We started getting ecstasy on the weekends, and this this friend of mine. He me to uh you know share it around for him i say share it around so yes just share it around for him what i ended up doing was uh was selling some ecstasy on the side uh while i was teaching english and uh, i don't know if you know but over there you know as in the states any sort of drug like that's considered pretty hardcore Hmm. what ultimately happened was i was bouncing around southeast asia as you may be familiar with doing Hmm. And I got arrested in Thailand with a, with a quantity of, ex, of these ecstasy pills. So you had basically had a bag. So you've kind of you've been in um, Korea teaching English, and you've decided to carry some of this ecstasy around for this buddy of yours. And now you end up you just travel around Thailand, and you got a bag of ecstasy pills on your back. That sounds pretty. I mean, as bad as it might be, looking back on it, it sounds it, it sounds like it will be pretty pretty thrilling <laughs> doing something. You feel like you're in a movie or something. Well. <sighs> 
Yeah, I guess you could say that. I <laughs> I will say this, John. I didn't do any carrying of the drugs. Okay. I had another guy carrying the drugs around, and uh, I don't want to get into all that stuff, but basically what you're saying is right. Long story short, the uh, Thai police caught wind of some drugs being moved around, and they got me and another guy, another American, in Thailand. We got arrested in uh, Pattaya, actually. Yep. So, okay. next thing I know, I'm in a uh, small cell with about 40 or 45 other Thai people. There's no no Americans, no English-speaking people, and it's a very hot situation. Uh, I'd never been in Thailand without air conditioning before. <laughs> and, you know, most people don't go to Thailand for the men, but that's what I was with. There was a lot of men. It was crowded. It was stinky. There was one toilet. Yeah. And... After about two days, another Thai guy came in, and he spoke a little English. So he took this uh, document. John, now you know Thai language looks like cake frosting, right? <laughs> you know, when I first saw it, I thought it looked like the, the Indian script. But whoever you know made it wanted to make it all, you know, that, that were high at the time or something, and they were drawing little twirly, <laughs> spotty things on every letter. But a cake frosting works too. Yeah, well... <laughs> I can't remember where I read that. Anyways, I couldn't decipher it. I didn't know what it was, but this guy looked at it, read it. It was two or three pages. Then he looked up at me real slow and sadly shook his head and said, you, my friend, will never go home from this prison. So what started out as kind of what I'll label slightly innocent drug dealing <laughs> turned into a nightmare. A year later, I went to court, staying in prison this whole time. I ended up getting charged with two life sentences plus four years, which is a total of 104 years. Damn. So, you know, it's, it's one of these things where I kind of thought... So, so does kind that mean you're about 130 years old right now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> That's the good part. I'll get to that. All right. But basically what happened was I ended up spending all my money on lawyers and I got sentenced to 27 years when I was 30, when I was 31. Yeah, okay. So did, uh, and you know, let me, let me preface this because this is an email marketing podcast, right? Mm -hmm. While I was in prison for uh, the next five years, I wrote a lot of letters. Okay. And uh, it's kind of interesting when you think about it because if you're behind this wall, you're kind of separated from the whole world. And so the only way I was able to communicate, by and large, was through letters that I would send out from the prison. Yeah. And on these few occasions, I had family members travel around the world to visit me. Again, they would come to a window, and I would have to yell through the window and through the bars and the chicken wire uh, <laughs> for 20 or 30 min minutes, and that was it. Then they were gone again. Yep. And so you learned this economy of words and you learned that you need to say exactly what you want to happen in order to reap the de desired effect. Yeah. So unbeknownst to me, I guess I was getting a, a bit of a copywriting education at this time. <laughs> That's one way to, uh, yeah, to develop your copywriting chops. Go to prison. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I highly don't recommend it. <laughs> so... I met this guy while I was there, and he had uh, several millions of bot uh, in his bank account. And I think I mentioned this story to you before, but it sounds better when I say several millions of bot. In in reality, it's what about fifteen thousand pounds or maybe thirty thousand U.S. But he was a multimillionaire in prison, and uh, the way he did this was with a sales letter. He was a Thai guy, or no? He was a. Oh, that's uh, right. Yeah, you mentioned Iranian this guy. Man. Okay, because yeah. I was thinking in baht, I was thinking the Thai guy. Yeah, I, I think uh, a million baht would be about $30,000, yep. just to give you an idea. So a hundred grand would be three million. Right. So he uh, he had this sales letter and he would send it out to uh, various concerned groups like uh, churches and charities and they would donate to his cause. 
And he got rich behind bars <laughs> with this simple sales letter that, you know, really pulled on heartstrings. Yeah. So another element to my copywriting experience back there. Okay. So did he, did you talk to him and he was like, well, you wanted to find out how he was making this money and then you sort of, well, I got to learn how to do that same thing too. <laughs> Indirectly. I mean, he wouldn't share the letter with anybody, Yeah. but I, he told us how he was doing it. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, it was uh, it was a good it was a sign that that there was a lot of money to be made with copywriting. Anyways, the story that uh, that I have is once I got in here and I thought I was going to stay in this prison for 27 years, I decided that no more could I live the the life that I that had brought me there. Okay. I changed in the letters that I was sending out. I changed my from address from Bombat Prison. I changed it to Bombat Mahawitiyalai, which you may know is do you know that word? University. There you go. <laughs> So the the prison I was in was Bombay Prison. It became Bombay University. And every day I got out of bed, I started studying the Thai language. And I started applying, you know, every minute I could to educating myself and changing who I was. Uh, basically, what got me to prison was kind of having this head trash, you know, and going in a circle instead of making a path, you know. Being a you know being involved mixed up with drugs is you know some people say it's fun it's okay when you do when you're young but for some people and you know unfortunately I was one of those it just became the circular path and you know it, it ultimately it almost destroyed my life yeah I think there's probably a lot of people like that this is one of those things where you know it's it's kind of like it's all fun and games until someone gets hurt like it's most of the time it's going to be fine and most people won't have any trouble with it but the people that do like it's it's got a huge huge downside it's one of those things where the upside is not that big and 99 percent of the time the downside is not that big either you'll be fine but that one percent of the time when something goes wrong you know there's an overdose or you get arrested and go to prison like it's real real bad yeah indeed and uh you know this was <laughs> obviously this is a worst case scenario situation i hope it you know it doesn't happen to anybody that's listening to the show but basically the message that I started living was, all right, this horrible thing has happened to me, but what are the small ways I can turn it to my advantage? And what are the small ways in which I can improve, you know, even though I've already really screwed up and gone down this horrible path, how can I make it better? Hmm. That's a cool little lesson there. I think if anyone's right now listening and is trying to get somewhere, that I think before you can move past a, a bad situation or a situation you don't like in life, you really got to get to the point where you appreciate it as bad as it might be for the lessons that it can give you. And that applies to, you know, going and learning copywriting because you might not be a writer. You know, some people might be like, well, I'm not a writer. It's like, you know, pony up, you know, figure out how, how is that a good thing? Um, but this, this philosophy is also, this is kind of, this is a very inspirational podcast, man. So someone could be, this isn't just about, you know, marketing. This is about life. <laughs> Yeah, so the uh, the great part about this story is after I spent five and a half years here, I got accepted to uh, transfer back to the U.S. Fortunately, the U.S. doesn't look upon the, the drug situation quite as dramatically, as, as, as drastically as Thailand does. So they, they brought me back to theoretically serve the rest of my 20-year sentence in America. And two months after I got back, they came and knocked on my cell door and said, hey, we got good news. Uh, we've recalculated your sentence and we're going to give you time served. Nice. Okay. I don't, what does that mean? Well, basically it means the time, you know, the sentence was 27 years and I'd been in there at that, that point about five and a half years. But American prison or sorry, the American court system was saying, basically, you've done enough time and we're going to let you go home. How did it feel when that happened? <sighs> well, I just told you I'm a copywriter, but I'm probably at a loss for words on that one. <laughs> So you went out, so you got back. Did you spend any time in a prison in America or you just got back and you're like, all right, we think you're done? Yeah, no, I had to stay for two months. 
That was it. Uh, Two months, then you're, then you're out. Free man. That's right. Yep. So I came back to America, uh, stayed in, for, in the prison for two months. They let me walk out the front door in L.A. and uh, went down and got on a Greyhound bus. John, I don't know if you know, this is uh, this is the big brand, Greyhound in America. And so I had to make a, a bus trip from the West Coast of America all the way back to the East Coast. And it took four days. And after the first day, I wanted to go back to prison. It's really, <laughs> really bad. Really? Why? What, so after after how many days? Four days. Well, you can imagine sitting on a bus with no shower and uh, with people that are they can't afford to fly on planes. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a pleasant ride. Okay, yeah, I can imagine. But you've been in, so it wasn't like an overwhelming sense of freedom, or it just felt like it'd be more comfortable to be. Back? Oh no, it was it was wonderful. But the funny thing is, John, the uh, you know anybody that's been in a position where your movement is restricted, all you want is freedom from that thing. And once you get it, I wasn't ready for the surprise. I thought that all my problems would go away and everything would be magically healed. But that was actually the beginning of another journey that was, you know, in a lot of ways more difficult. In prison, everything's sure. You're going to go downstairs. You're going to go back upstairs into the cell. And the next morning, you're going to do the same thing. And nothing changes. But in real life, you've got to go out. You've got to make a living. You've got to, you know, worry about certain things. And, uh you know, it was it was a big challenge readapting to uh, life outside. I can imagine, yeah. But how is it now? I mean, how long ago was this that you got out? You've been out for five years, or I've been out for thirteen months. Okay. And I got to tell you, it's uh, if anybody can take anything from this, I want to say this because when I came out, I knew I wanted to share this story, and I knew that it would be inspiring to some people because. First of all, drugs are kind of a big deal, and we, we, we in America, we like to fight the war on drugs, but the truth is we don't put drugs in prison. We put, a, we put people in prison, and those people are often you know, your little brother, your, your mother, your father, your cousin, you know, or your friend down the street. Everybody knows somebody that's, that's affected by this, you know, by this problem, and I think what happens, whether it's drugs or any other you know, thing that sets you back, that you feel shame for, that's, that's kind of the problem is because when I came home, I wanted to share this story. Story, but I felt shame. I felt embarrassed about having been to prison. And I was worried. You know, maybe if uh, some of my clients hear this, you know, coming out, you know, maybe they'll say, "Hey, we don't want a former drug addict and drug dealer, uh, you know, writing our copy." But you know, it's uh, it's all about realizing that things happen to us in life, and those things aren't us, but they do. You know, they're just things that happen to us, and that's all they are. So when you can see it that way, you can really overcome and and, and make these things a positive in your life. And the, I guess the tough thing with that is that you can get to that realization, but it doesn't mean clients are going to you know, hear it and not be resistant to the idea of hiring you. Like some clients just aren't going to you know, want to like it. I mean, one thing is like religion is one of these things. Like a lot of people don't talk about religion, in, at least in my scene anyway, about what they believe because you know, if you go one way or the other, you know, it's like politics as well. It's these touchy issues. I guess prison's sort of like that as well. Like it's, once you say it, it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things, especially as far as copy goes, but it's, it's one of those things that triggers resistance in people. But I like that. I think that's a really cool lesson where you've got to get to that point to really move forward in life with anything is you have to get to that point where this, is, <laughs> this isn't so much about email marketing right now, but you've got to get to that point where you accept it and uh, you're not beating yourself up for it. It's, it's, you know, it's in the past, it's done and it's not really you. It's, it's sort of just, it's like life happens and stuff happens and you've got to do what you can to solve the problems. That's right, John. I mean, life is so short, you know, nobody knows how long we're going to be here. And I think it's just important for me to embrace who I am. You're right. You know, maybe I will lose some business with this uh, admission. But the truth of the matter is, I should be 
in that prison for another 20 years. So number one, I shouldn't even be here. And number two, something I do on the side, I don't really talk about much, though. I, uh, I speak for free and I do this you know, for kids, I work with kids in uh, schools and uh, sometimes at risk kids as well. And so, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a gift to be able to give back and to do something and say, hey, you know, I'm really lucky. You know, I sh- a lot of people don't make it through what I did. So if I can turn anybody away from, you know, a negative lifestyle or I can inspire people who are going through a tough time to, to pull through and, and, you know, keep up the fight you know that's that that makes it all worthwhile for me that's cool i hope someone if if someone's listening to this if they want you know if this is helping them or if they know someone who is might be going through something like this or just something tough in life that they share this with them because i think this is badass man so you just to recap on this so you 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 were in korea started taking marijuana with the english teachers got involved with ecstasy and then ended up getting sort of getting caught up in the uh i guess drug trafficking somewhere in thailand you go to prison and uh you start calling it your university instead of prison and uh, you mentioned in your email that you sent me that your brother used to send you direct response books um, so you could sit there it sounds like you really studied hard when you were in prison and now you've come out you've kind of got uh, some marketing chops which you've turned into a marketing agency yeah I'm having a blast with that you know John uh, two more things I want to touch on number one is um when I went to summer camp back when I was 14 and 15 years old there was a couple chances where I kind of fell in love with a with a you know young girl in the uh, summer camp with us there and then after you go home you kind of write letters together you know maybe she lived across the country and you know i remember a couple of times we wrote letters back and forth you know frantically every week this was before email really <laughs> and uh you know as time goes on the letters become less and less frequent and eventually you know you have to move on with your life but um i just feel like that copywriting and marketing is kind of in my dna because all these all this letter writing i'm talking about how different is it really than you know what we do what you and i both do in marketing every day you know we're we're trying to romance companies either for ourselves or on behalf of our clients and you know when you if you think about it if you write a letter to a woman that you're in love with at the end you're going to you know you're going to put your most powerful language into persuading that person to be with you and at the end maybe you put a special ps that summarizes everything you want <laughs> You know, you're going to draw a little heart, perhaps, color it in, maybe. If you're like me, you, you know, the de- devil is in the details. I like to do you're that You're a little stuff. romantic, huh? <laughs> yeah, sure. But, you know, it's how far removed is it from uh, what we do writing copy? I'd say, man, I, I've told people before that marketing and copy and sales funnels and all that, it's it's just like dating. It's just like seduction. Go. And it's there's there so many parallels. I've noticed, too, like when yeah. once you start understanding body language and social dynamics and sort of that side of the human, um, just the human sphere... A lot of that carries over very easily into it could be podcasting like this or it could be writing an email to the list. There's all there's so many parallels. Either that, it's not even parallels. It's just the same thing, really. It's just you know, it's about what, who are you trying to romance? You're trying to romance a girl or a company or a customer. So that's right. So what's the plans? Right. What's the future plans for Jesse Moskal? Are you coming back to Thailand to do the you know they they, they call us the digital nomads over here? Um, you know, like a little <laughs> laptop. Laptop warrior, I think, sounds cooler, but it's a bit cheesy as well. But anyway, you know, you go into coffee shops and you work and you're traveling and you do all that. That seems to be one direction that people want to go in with their internet business. But what's your plan? Are you going to stay in the U.S. and build a big agency or are you going to travel or get married or romance or what? All of the above. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. You know, after so many years of sitting still and doing nothing, I really, you know, I really want to do everything. I'm just, I'm so excited to be alive right now. There's, uh, 
that second story I wanted to tell you quickly, John, is uh, one day when I was real depressed and I was waiting to see if I got a hundred year sentence or if I was going to go home or, you know, any other of not very appealing options came through court. I decided one day and, you know, you're surrounded in prison by a lot of negative people, people that are upset with themselves for making the decision they did to get there. And I, I decided one day after all this complaining going on around me, I said, you know what, I'm just going to be the happiest person in here today. I know it sounds silly, but you know, the, it was clear who was the saddest person there. And I thought, you know, there's not a lot of competition for being really happy in here. So I'm just going to try this out one day. And if it totally sucks, then I'll go back to being miserable tomorrow. So I carried that position through me because obviously it worked the first day and the second day it worked and the, the smiles came easier and then the right people started getting magnetized to me and I, I really started having a lot of fun while I was there. I, you know, I'm not supposed to admit that, but it really, <laughs> it's not as bad as I, you know everybody thinks it is by watching TV and movies and so forth. But uh, it's all about attitude and you know that position I, I kind of molded to myself and now that I'm out here. I'm still the happiest person. I, you know, I really embrace life. I don't know what's going to happen. I'd love to get married. I'd love to uh, build an advertising business. I'd like to consider myself a junior Ogilvy. And who knows, man? Life is just, you know, one big party, and I'm glad I'm here. Mm, I've been through that. But, well, not the prison thing, but I bet that whole like, trying <laughs> to be real happy is. Uh, I remember when I was back in the office and I had a job. I used to make a similar challenge where I'd go in. I'd try to be the happiest dude in the whole place. And uh, I always wanted to be the guy who could go out and party with people. And uh, I don't always do this, but say, suppose I wasn't, I didn't want to drink alcohol that night. And to go out and have people and basically party harder and dance more and laugh more and be happier and crazier and wilder without drinking. And even like sometimes it's funny when, you know, people ask you how, you, how you're going. I usually say fantastic. And I've been asked before, I don't know if people are serious or not, but when you're a really happy guy and you cultivate that kind of attitude, people start to wonder. They make jokes like, are you on drugs? Like, what, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Just calm down. And uh, it's funny because it's, it's like, why, why would you want to calm down? Why, why would you not want to be the happiest guy around? Absolutely. It's, it's, it's really people's default position to be complaining and, and moaning and complaining, complaining about, you know, everything that's wrong in their life when, uh, when really there's just, you know, so much to be grateful for. Mm. Cool, man. And you mentioned the podcast, this podcast in your email that it was helpful. Were you listening? To, obviously, it wasn't around when you were back in prison, but it's been helpful over the last year while you've been building your business. Well, you know, uh, I, I'm a real big fan of Malcolm Gladwell, and I read all of his books in, uh, when I was in Thailand. One of them talks at length about the uh, 10,000 hours hypotheses where, you know, once you achieve 10,000 hours in any discipline, then you can consider yourself, if not an expert, at least a professional capacity yeah. uh, user. Well, for me, getting home was the beginning of that 10,000 hours. So, you know, I, when I discovered that I could listen to uh, email marketing podcasts while I was driving to the uh, gym and then keep it going, you know, through my workout, uh, man, you know, my, my hours went up considerably during the day. So, <laughs> you know, I'm just a student of the game. I'm learning and, and, you know, I spend a lot of money on Amazon these days. <laughs> Every time I get a, get a payment from a client, I dump, dump a bunch of it into new books and research and, and everything I can to learn more. Nice, nice. Cool, man. I love it. Well, thanks for coming on the show and sharing sharing your story, man. I really hope that uh, I think there's going to be someone listening to this or at least a few people who are going to get a lot of value from it. So thank you. Before we go, if people want to, if someone wants to email you, I mean, you said you do speaking. Uh, if they want to ask you about the agency and hire you to do some work for them, maybe they just want to chat and hear more about uh, you know, your story. Where, where should they go? Where do you want to point people? Thanks, John. The easiest place to find me is at moskel.com, M-O-S-K-E-L.com. Cool. 
Right, well, I'll have a link to Moscow.com in the show notes at themcmethod.com, so you can go there and get the link. And yeah, thanks again, man. John, it's been a pleasure. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you want to discover more insider tips, tricks, and secrets about driving sales with email marketing, sign up for daily email tips from the autoresponder guy. Go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast. Sign up, confirm your email address, and I'll send you daily emails on how to improve your email marketing and make more sales via email. You'll find out why open rates don't matter and the seven-letter word that underlies all effective marketing and much more.